welcome. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to share, listen, and learn. This is my favorite coffee story with your host, Aniko Samoji. You'll hear about the stories about coffee itself, the history, health benefits, recipes, and more, along with some personal stories inspired by coffee and the lifestyle. Now, here is Aniko Somoji. Welcome to My Favorite Coffee Story. Oh, we had such a fun show today. We're talking about gourmet coffee and custom roasting. And we have wonderful guests today joining us. We have Daniel Bassett and Ivan Stout. And I look forward to introducing them. And as we always do our tradition, we're going to actually do a quick update on what's going on at Anikona Farm. Well, we had an amazing week this week because we had... Great friends visit with us from Boston, and we had a campfire at Anikona Farm and shared old stories and caught up, and it was just a wonderful time to share together. So we really enjoyed seeing our friends, and of course, we have family on the farm, and we've been having good hearty breakfasts and great meals, and we are about to pick, so we are going to be harvesting in the probably the next week or so some delicious red coffee cherry. So now if we may talk a little bit about gourmet coffee and custom coffee roasting, we're actually chatting about specialty coffee in the U.S. because there are 2 billion cups of coffee consumed daily. And actually a good portion of that coffee is specialty coffee. And it's a $100 billion market for coffee. And it is really amazing to note that a lot is actually now specialty coffee. We actually owe um, a lot to Pete's Coffee for the actual specialty coffee revolution in America. And actually, Mr. Alfred Pete is really widely known as actually starting the specialty coffee revolution in the U.S. He, he's a Dutchman who came to America at the age of, I believe, 35. And we often say in the coffee um, community that Mr. Alfred Pete is the Dutchman who taught America how to drink coffee. So we love talking about specialty coffee and how that evolved in America. He actually founded Pete's Coffee in Berkeley, California in 1966. And he really is very famous for introducing custom coffee roasting in the U.S. Pete's Coffee is known for its flavor and its freshness of of, of, of coffee. And it's really uh, important in the rise of gourmet coffee in the U.S. Um, When historians kind of look at how specialty coffee actually evolved in America, I think people were still in like the 60s enjoying sort of ration coffee from World War II. And it was Mr. Alfred Pete who introduced that you first need to start with delicious and high quality coffee beans. So he actually sourced coffee around the world to ensure that the quality of the coffee was delicious. And he also made sure that they would freshly roast it. So when they started this little coffee store in Berkeley, California, it became very popular pretty quickly. And there were um, 
you know, there were sort of in the coffee community, they started calling, it was such a popular destination that I heard the term Peatniks, um, a little bit on the play of Beatniks, and uh, which is so appropriate for the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, so we're really grateful to um, Pete's Coffee and Mr. Alfred Pete for actually embarking on this specialty coffee revolution for America. Pete, Mr. Pete is also um, uh, attributed to even how Starbucks evolved and served as a model for Starbucks and even that dark roast, that influence comes from Mr. Pete. Um, Even when the um, original founders of Starbucks, uh, Jerry Baldwin uh, was one, um, Zev Siegel and Gordon Bowker, they actually uh, learned a lot, I believe, from Pete's Coffee and Uh, Even it's interesting to note that later in 1984, um, Mr. Jerry Baldwin even acquired Pete's Coffee in the San Francisco area, which is so exciting. Um, So that's a little bit about um, gourmet coffee and also how we're grateful to Mr. Alfred Pete and setting America on this incredible specialty coffee revolution. Right now, we're going to actually chat a little bit more about uh, what that means to us on a little bit more personal level. And I have a wonderful guest and a great friend joining us today, um, Daniel Bassett. And Daniel is going to chat a little bit with us about what it's like to try uh, gourmet coffee in Los Angeles and... um, and maybe some other experiences across the re- U.S. So we'd love to welcome Daniel with us. Thanks for joining us, Daniel. Hi, Aniko. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it's so wonderful you're here. So when did you first know that you like coffee, Daniel? Um, I would say when it was um, in the later years of high school when I was about 17, um, school was picking up and I needed a little boost in the mornings. And so I tried my first kind of uh, cup of coffee, cu- cu- cup of coffee on my own, and um, I, I kind of got hooked on the having the coffee in the morning, and um, so I, you know, was a pretty avid coffee drinker in, in Austin, and moved out for to LA for college, and um, that's when I really started drinking coffee pretty regularly. Well, and tell us about some of those uh, student experiences where maybe some of those late nights and and uh, what were some of your favorite coffee places or to go? Well, um, Starbucks is always reliable for that. Um, during finals week, I would um, be drinking the the large cold brew pretty often to get that that extra pickup when um, you know studies were were going into the late hours of the night. Um, uh, another one of my favorite places was Earth Cafe, um, and they had a location in Beverly Hills, and they have a really great latte. Um, and actually, in the in the latte, there's a cool kind of flower design they do on the top of the the, co- the coffee, and it's really beautiful. And so that was always a fun place to go with friends um, in Los Angeles. Oh, that sounds like so much fun. Did what was your favorite um, type of coffee? What would you normally order, Daniel? Um, well, it, it depended on um, kind of the season, but in the summer it was it was the cold brew and the nitro cold brew. Um, I, I preferred kind of the um, the darker roast initially when I was first drinking coffee. I kind of liked that that thick kind of um, flavor, 
Um, and then as I as I progressed through my coffee drinking, I, I moved on to kind of more towards the medium roast. And now I'm a big medium roast drink, uh, drinker, and that's my favorite um, type of roast. And I notice you like to maybe have a little bit of sweetener in there like stevia, but lately it seems like you've been drinking your coffee kind of dark, and it seems like you really like specialty coffee, and it's been such a pleasure to share Anikona coffee with you. So are, are you now just kind of drinking it black? Yeah, so um, I, I started out, um, I was drinking it with a lot of sugar. I'd get, you know, a macchiato or something. That was kind of when I first started drinking coffee. Um, lately, um, I've actually been drinking it black. Um, first, because I, I love Anikona so much, and that flavor is just so unique that I can drink it black without any sweetener, and it's just such a great cup um, of coffee. Um, but, yeah, sometimes I'll, you know, add a little stevia or something, but but um, I do kind of lately prefer the, the black um, coffee. Well, that's great. What are you studying right now, Daniel? Uh, I'm an engineering student, um, still working on my undergrad, and uh, I'm, I'm in the process of transferring to a new university. And so, um, so yeah, so co- I'm pretty reliant on coffee for those, those finals weeks with um, science and math tests. Well, you're doing great with your studies, and we wish you well with that. How about your friends? Um, have you actually had like a favorite place to hang out there in L.A. together over coffee? Yes. Um, well, of course, there was Earth Cafe that we went to. Um, um, there's another place called Sun Life, and they have um, a couple locations in Malibu. And that's a really great place to go get coffee and um, smoothies. And they have um, some really unique roasts and um, very natural tasting coffee. It's it's a really great place to go. And so my friends and I would frequent um, Sun Life in Malibu was a pretty favorite location. I've heard of Sun Life in Malibu, Malibu, and they have some delicious specialty coffee that they have there and that they share. So that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say that specialty coffee is something that that all the students that you know is kind of like what they focus on? Yeah, um, I would say um, it, as um, my friends kind of progress through our coffee drinking, because um, we all started in maybe early college time, um, we started to kind of build unique um, flavors that, that we each enjoyed. And, um, you know, I, I have another friend who really loved the cold brew at Starbucks and kind of prefers the dark kind of um, roast and he'll get the Americano just and drink it black. Um, and then, you know, other friends have different preferences and they like it, you know, a little lighter and maybe with um, different types of flavoring. That's so great. I, I love how... You know, when you have a cup of coffee, sometimes it's so fun to just sit with your friends and enjoy kind of just chatting and catching up and enjoying sort of what you're working on. And it's sort of nice mm-hmm. how it brings you together at some of these nice cafes where they have specialty coffees. Um, when you're talking about your engineering degree, what are some of the things you'd like to to work on in the future? Um I'm really excited by technology and startups that are working on innovative um, products and services to, you know, improve the world around us. Um, I, I enjoy, you know, companies like Tesla and SpaceX, and they're doing some really exciting things um, in the world of technology and innovation. And um, so I hope to work in that kind of field, you know, maybe in San Francisco or or um, even Austin, where I'm from, has a lot of startups um, happening. And so um, I hope to work in, in kind of tech and um, innovation and um, help improve the world of technology. Well, I I think you're going to be definitely doing that, Daniel. And um, 
What are some of the things that inspired you to actually look into that field? Um, I was really inspired by some um, early um, entrepreneurs that I, I kind of came to research and read about. Um, there's, of course, Elon Musk and Peter Thiel and um, Jack Ma, um, some really cool guys doing some innovative things and um, trying to improve the world. Um, so I was, I was very excited by those guys and, and what they were working on and um, how, you know, they worked very hard towards things that, you know, could have an immediate impact on the world and on society. Well, that's amazing. And we look forward to all the amazing things that you're going to do and um, make a difference in all your contributions. So we really appreciate that. Um, you know, specialty coffee has been um, something that we have found across you know, the, the U.S., it's really grown, and we've kind of focused a little bit on sort of West Coast, but as you've traveled to the East Coast, Daniel, mm-hmm. have you had some fun uh, coffee experiences on the East Coast? Yes, yeah. The I noticed the, the coffee culture on the East Coast was slightly different. Um, I did some traveling up in the Northeast in the Boston and New York area, and well, first of all, it was a little colder, so people prefer the hotter drinks, and where I'm from on the West Coast, it was people were drinking more cold drinks because it was a little hotter. Um, but on the East Coast, they were drinking hotter drinks. Um, I noticed that there was different locations that were more popular, like Dunkin' Donuts was really huge out there, whereas Starbucks was big on the West Coast. Um, and I think people drink tend to drink a little bit of a darker roast on the East Coast, I, I seem to find. Um, and, and that seemed to be the specialty coffee that, that they preferred. So, um, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, back to Pete's Coffee, um, What's been interesting, even though they have such a long history to actually um, with coffee in the U.S. since the 1960s, they actually have become very uh, up to date in terms of how they're addressing environmental issues. And they actually just um, in 2007 um, they built a new facility in Alameda, California. Tell us a little bit about that, Daniel, please. Yeah, I, I read about that, actually. Um, they, they actually became LEED gold certified um, in Al- at their location in Alameda, which, you know, was pretty much a certification that they're very environmentally friendly with, with their roastery um, up there in Alameda. Well, it, it uh, is so nice how they've actually thought about these environmental issues as they've actually expanded. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and as a student, when you, when you actually try and source your coffee and let's say you don't have time to go to the cafe um, and you're maybe just going to the grocery store, uh, what do you normally pick off the shelf? Yeah, so I've actually noticed this because um, a lot of times I'm trying to swing through somewhere to grab a, um, you know, a, a quick cup of coffee um, through the grocery store. And I always sell Pete's in the store. And um, I, I just read also that they have 14,000, um, they're in 14,000 different grocery stores across the U.S. So um, it's pretty incredible. You can always kind of find them if you're looking for a quick um, cup of coffee at a grocery store or a convenience store. Oh, it's incredible to see how many specialty coffees and gourmet coffees there are on the shelf now. Mm-hmm. So um, that's fantastic. We've so enjoyed chatting with you, Daniel, and we look forward to actually continuing after the break. It's been fun to chat about 
Pete's Coffee and how specialty coffee has really increased in the U.S. and their influence in doing that. So we'll uh, continue after the break, and we'll actually have a special guest joining us after the break, and I can't wait to introduce him. So please join us again, and we look forward to chatting more about My Favorite Coffee Stories and Gourmet Coffee. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. listening to my favorite coffee story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to my favorite coffee story. We've been talking about gourmet coffee and how that evolved in the U.S., and how Pete's Coffee had a big influence on that. And Daniel Bassett is with us. And we have also a new guest that we'd like to welcome, Ivan Stout. And I'd like to introduce Ivan. He is calling us from Austin, Texas. And we are so thrilled and delighted that Ivan can join us. He's actually a senior data analyst at Aventus Systems in Austin. And we're weaving specialty coffee a little bit more again on the personal level and how it actually weaves through our lives. So we're we're so delighted that Ivan has joined us. So welcome, Ivan. Oh, thank you very much. Happy to be here. Oh, we're so glad you're here. So as a senior data data analyst at Aventus Systems, tell us a little bit about how what your typical day goes. 
Um, well, uh, I work for a startup and uh, we have a product for um, the uh, financial industry that's a risk management platform. And I am uh, primarily focused on uh, the customer interactions and uh, data integrations. And so that pretty much uh, means in a given day, um, I really do not know what to expect. Um, we have a very uh, complicated platform and uh, trading data is very complicated. So every day is a sort of uh, challenge. Um, various issues crop up and I have to use various tools to troubleshoot uh, those issues. And uh, I guess my uh, morning coffee is the most routine part of my day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Ivan, that's great. Well, um, we'd love to hear about your morning uh, coffee routine, but first, if we could talk about your early days of your career and how you ended up actually getting into data analytics. Uh, right. So um, I guess, you know, I, I don't know, like data an analysis or data analysts are kind of a, a newer field. So, you know, you, I, I could kind of generalize by saying that uh, data analysts tend to know data sets and they, they learn programming to better understand data sets, uh, but their main focus is usually on their uh, specialty domain, while a programmer tends to know, you know, specific programming languages, though domain knowledge is also very important, so there's a lot of overlap. But I started uh, basically, you know, UT graduated in uh, economics and uh, went on to study accounting, uh, sat and passed the uh, CPA exam, and then went over to Japan um, for seven to eight years, and while I was over there, um, I went from sort of a, I guess, a corporate analyst where I was working for a, semi a semiconductor firm into the banking industry. And that's when I got really into um, sort of the data analytics side using my uh, accounting understanding to uh, sort of go into equity research and help manage their uh, data systems and data services uh, there. And then um, came back to um, Austin uh, after that uh, with my family and uh, I think that's that's when my uh, <laughs> enjoyment of coffee increased uh, quite a bit. But uh, that's basically, um, you know, throughout that process, I've been picking up uh, tools along the way for um, better understanding and analyzing uh, data and uh, continue to, to grow and develop. And I think Austin is a great place uh, to do that. So, Well, that is a fascinating field and so important. I I um I think that it's interesting how you took kind of the economics and accounting background and can apply it because often you'll work with um, companies that really are doing trading and right. you know financial um, reporting and a trading firms. So it sounds like the perfect uh, combination. So I'm so glad that worked out. Those those times in Japan, you had just mentioned that really your your coffee. Um, specialty coffee understanding in Austin so it was a little different than how it was in Japan. Please tell us a little bit more about your experience in Japan and coffee experience. Uh, sure. So um, I was actually an exchange student when I was 16. Um, and uh, so I think my experience, my exposure to coffee, I've, I've spent a long time uh, learning Japanese and, and really uh, trying to work and, and uh, sort of live in Japan. And coffee, as you might no, it's, it's probably, I think it's becoming more popular recently, but, it, you know, it's competing beverages, tea, and in Japan, they have their own ceremony, so it's very difficult to compete with a beverage that has, like, its own ceremony associated with it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think that, you know, kind of, uh, as far as, like, drinking coffee with colleagues, uh, I, I don't really remember doing that with Japanese colleagues, 
I do remember um, throughout my experience in Japan, uh, the coffee machines in Japan are actually heated. Uh, they actually have canned coffee that's heated. And uh, so, you know, it was a very practical tool. Um, Japan can get very cold and you're often on the uh, train station uh, waiting for your train. Uh, depending on how far you are in the, the countryside, you might wait a while. And so coffee was kind of like a, uh, something I could get a can of coffee, warm my hands, and, and then kind of drink it to, to keep warm. But it was a very practical tool uh, in Japan. And, uh, you know, like one of the main brands in Japan is uh, Boss. <laughs> so okay. yeah it's, it's kind of funny it's it's like uh basically um they have a kind of rustic picture of i guess the boss and you know when uh people say you know uh, like a boss that, that's probably the character they're talking about but uh the commercials and everything are basically uh, it's really you know i got the feeling that you know coffee is kind of like you know you're working really hard uh you're uh exhausted and then coffee is kind of like the jolt of caffeine to kind of pick you up kind of thing. Um, and so, you know, uh, I think when I came back to Austin, uh, sort of in contrast, I feel like coffee is kind of part of a healthy lifestyle and kind of a fun thing. And uh, I think Japan is is uh, changing. But uh, as far as my experience, and, you know, I was up, I was there until like 2011. I think that was uh, sort of the, the image I got in, in Japan as far as coffee goes. I, I would have uh, coffee, though, with um, – uh, my last couple of years, I was in equity research, and I had a, a boss from Pune, India, and that was really it was kind of a, a social coffee uh, sort of uh, ritual we would have. We'd have coffee, you know, once a day usually at Starbucks, and uh, you know, it was it was funny because when when I first did it, I, like I I didn't really have that much of a coffee uh, culture or understanding. I was like walking to Starbucks after living in Japan for for a while and not really being exposed to it, and I was just kind of overwhelmed by the options and just decided to go with whatever he went with. But, uh, it was, you know, it was, it was really, uh, interesting. I also enjoyed, uh, Indian coffee. And if you've, you know, ever seen how they mix it by pouring it, uh, in sort of two cups, it's, it's really amazing to, to see. So, uh, I really enjoyed that part. Um, but, uh, overall I would say as far as with like Japanese colleagues, I, I didn't really have, I, I don't think that, you know, it, it would be more sort of a, a drinking alcohol beverage type experience rather than, than uh, coffee itself. So, Right, right. The, the Indian coffee sounds intriguing. Tell us a yeah. little bit more about the two cups, please. Um, okay, so I, I'm pretty sure, you know, uh, and I think I've had it maybe two or three times, but it was, you know, in Tokyo at an Indian restaurant. And uh, so I'm not sure how great of a representation it was, but basically uh, they would they would uh, sort of fix the, the coffee and they had these two like metal cups and uh, instead of like stirring it, uh, they would like pour it, but the, the distance in between, like they would have two cups in their hand and you, if you can kind of imagine someone lifting one hand with the coffee up and then pouring it into the other hand below, uh, but you know, I, I guess like a meter apart and then doing that back and forth, it was uh, pretty amazing, you know, as far as you know, my coffee ex- ex- exposure at that point. And I'm sure, you know, there, there might be uh, even, you know, greater examples probably on, on YouTube, but if you get a chance, it, it really is pretty neat. Um, it's actually something I, m- I might look around for Austin to see if, if they actually have someone who, because it, it's a skill. I mean, I, I think that's, you know, it's acrobatics basically uh, using, you know, coffee. So it's pretty amazing. Wow. And the coffee is great too. I mean. <laughs> it's, a, it's a darker coffee, right, Ivan? Yeah. It's uh, very, it's a quite strong uh, tasting, but, you know, sweet. Coffee and uh, yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Well, 
that thank you for sharing that. So when you transition back to Austin, um, how tell us a little bit more about the coffee scene in Austin and what's that like? Yeah, I I mean I I have to admit like I have to reflect because it's almost like there's so much coffee shops and we go to them all the time that I think I only remember half of the names of the places we've actually visited. But, you know, Austin uh, being sort of a tech center, we like to say that we're like up to our beards and hipsters. There are just lots of places to, uh, you know, enjoy coffee, but like with a different style. And I would say that when I first came back, um, it was really the the Whole Foods branch, which has been in you know in the news recently because of the Amazon purchase. Um, they actually, you know, they have pretty good um, sort of coffee setup, but they also had um, a local cold brew um, called a Chameleon uh, Coffee, and it it, it was uh, I think it was kind of a turning point. It's when I really got into um, like moved towards. I think cold brew is like a transition for me because. <laughs> Um, you know, Austin's hot. Uh, and so it, it actually, um, and then the cold brew tends to not be as, as bitter. Um, so that, that's kind of how I got started, uh, getting more interested in coffee. And then with this, with our startup, there was actually a period, uh, during certain development that we actually, um, had a shared office space. Uh, it's pretty famous. It's called WeWork and they had a uh, coffee on tap. So cold brew ta- coffee on tap, which, you know, it's very pampered, but it, it really, I think that really just uh, made me become a person who enjoys coffee every day. Uh, I think up until that point, it was kind of occasional, maybe social or kind of a dessert or treat on the weekends. But I think once I got uh, to the cold brew tap coffee at WeWork, it was it was just amazing because I, I, I don't understand uh, a lot of the chemistry going on with coffee, but it seems like you have to have a sort of a cold chain where from the brewing process all the way to your mouth, you have to keep the temperature below a certain amount. And I don't think, you know, practically it seems very difficult unless you brew it yourself, of course. And if you have, you know, uh, you're able to, to uh, do a good job, which I, I still need to learn by the way, but um, you know, it, it's just, it, it is, you know, I think one of the, the best uh, cold brew coffees I, I've had. So do you still have, by chance, the cold brew on tap there? Oh, at, <laughs> uh, at WeWork they do. Um, so WeWork is just this shared office space. A lot of startups, and it's very, uh, very popular in Austin because you you have this large office space, and then you have um, a lot of conveniences for startups who, um, you know, it really depends. Like for for our company, we're actually all working from home, and to be honest, with my workload with the increasing customers. Uh, actually, I, I feel like that's really crucial because I don't have time for a commute. Um, I'm, I'm actually quite busy. But for that period of time, um, we did. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't been able to convince the CEO to get me a uh, uh, cold brew at ta- uh, on tap at home. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping maybe, you know, just a little further down the line, we, we might be able to request that. So. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a good idea. Uh, Daniel is certainly familiar with the um, Austin scene. What's your experience with the coffee houses there and maybe cold brew yeah i would say um one of my favorite um coffee houses was um austin java um is a pretty popular restaurant in austin and not only do they have great food and um, great brunch options um but they have tremendous coffee and um all different kinds of assortments of um flavors and roasts and you have a lot of options there and it's a it's a really popular um destination in austin 
And um, so, yeah, I would say as far as um, specialty coffees in Austin, um, like, like Ivan said, that um, the cold brew is pretty popular because Austin is pretty hot most of the time. So that cold brew is nice to cool off and, um, and, and it gets you going if um, you need that cup of, cup of coffee in, in the morning or throughout the day. And so um, that, that is a pretty popular drink um, in Austin, Texas. Oh, thanks for sharing that. Does one sweeten cold brew or do you just kind of have it? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 you can. Um, I, I, I sweeten it usually with um, some kind of caramel syrup or, or something. Oh, really? Along those lines, yeah. How about you, Ivan? Um, so I first got hit on the, uh, so the chameleon has like a Mexican flavor, which is like cinnamon and kind of sweetened. Um, they do not provide that. So now I'm kind of uh, on uh, sort of weekly uh, portions. So we go like once a week to, to get uh, the chameleon coffee and they do not sweeten that. So you'd actually have to sweeten it separately. And I just enjoy that kind of uh, as is. So I think, you know, if you can get a cold brew that's not bitter and, and uh, you know, uh, this... I actually prefer it without the the sweetener, uh, if possible, because it's uh, just more enjoyable. Right. At Chameleon, are they also custom roasting themselves? I believe so. I mean, they're an Aust- they're a local Austin-based uh, company that I, I assume I'm not so familiar about the cold brew process, but I assume they would. You know, I, maybe that's a, a common thing for cold brew uh, companies to do. I'm not sure, actually. Yes. Yes. Well, we have really enjoyed hearing about your personal journey, Ivan, and we look forward to continuing our chat after the break. So we'll take a quick break. We're going to talk a little bit more with Ivan about uh, what it takes to actually release a product like Validus and um, other current projects that are going on over at Ventus. And also, Daniel can share a little bit more about some of his current projects that he's working on um, in the engineering area. And we look forward to coming right back. Thanks for joining us. And please join us after the break. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
are listening to my favorite coffee story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. We've been having such a nice time speaking with Ivan Stout and Daniel Bassett. And uh, we're talking about gourmet coffee today and custom coffee roasting. And we were just talking about the Austin coffee scene. And um, Ivan was sharing with us a little bit about cold brew as well as Daniel was talking about his favorite cold brew. Um, Ivan, would you like to share with us a little bit more about your favorite maybe cafes there in Austin? Oh, certainly. So, um, you know, I think one of the special cafes I like is called Satin. Uh, it's uh, kind of a name play on, I, I believe, the Japanese word kisatens for like uh, sort of really kind of like a tea shop. Or, um, so basically it, they, they have uh, various uh, coffees, but of course they've also got, um, you know, a very Japanese style and atmosphere. Um, lots of uh, sort of old Japanese posters uh, and manga, which are, you know, basically Japanese, uh, comics. And, uh, with, I, I, you know, I've noticed this a lot with the, uh, sort of coffee shops in Austin. They, you know, it's usually not just the coffee. They try to have, um, a full menu and, uh, for, you know, this place they have lunch and dinner and it's, uh, they've got sort of the Chicago style, uh, sort of thick toast. Um, and this is something that was really nostalgic for me because in Japan, sort of the West side of Japan, when I was an exchange student, that's basically the, the kind of breakfast I would have every day. It's like this really thick toast that, uh, you know, from this very thickly cut bread. And they basically have, uh, you know, that, that type of menu there. And um, it's just a really nice place to sort of hang out. Um, I, I love it because I can go there with my son who's studying Japanese and he knows that we might see uh, some other families, uh, Japanese families. So he feels like he has to study more on his homework. So <laughs> I kind of use that uh, occasionally. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, it's a, it's, you know, a very laid back uh, type environment, which, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of that uh, in Austin. Um, another place I, we went uh, not too long ago, um, was, it's called the factory cafe with a soul. Um, and it was, really kind of neat uh you know it's uh i would say nice place to to take your family they have um it's kind of already explained it's like the porch swings in <laughs> in sort of the 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 uh store so it's kind of like you know the porch swings are kind of tied to the ceiling and they have like a huge board of chess and we played chess and just kind of enjoyed and relaxed um but you know it's another it's kind of hard to, um, and that's kind of probably the great thing. It's kind of hard to capture that, uh, other than, you know, it's a place you just have to go and it's, it's really its own flavor. Uh, I would say, um, just going, you know, and since I, I work from home now, I, I do, uh, use, uh, quite a bit of coffee shops. So that's why I've <laughs> got this list here, but, um, there's also the, uh, Epic coffee, uh, spot and it's, I would say it's probably, I feel like it's an extension of the University of Texas library because there are so many students there just like studying nonstop. So I, I think it's a great place if you want to study. Um, I don't know if you, you're allowed, I mean, of course, they're not going to kick you out if you have kids, but it's almost like a library <laughs> in, in some cases because everyone is studying, uh, you know, with their favorite coffee brew. And, and so it really is a, a nice spot. And it's, it's really kind of, it's kind of an interesting shop because it's, very long and narrow and it actually has the entrance and then you can actually sit in the back 
but it, the, the actual shop goes, you know, across the, the, the building. So there's actually two entrances, but it's uh, it's a pretty neat place. And then, uh, like- yeah. Oh, sorry. It sounds like fun, and because you're working from home, um, I can imagine, let's say, if you were to meet with someone or talk about, you know, a particular project, these cafes are a great venue for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, They're also just great to, you know, get away. Um, That's one thing I was surprised. I wanted to work from home for a long time, but you you do want to, like, occasionally leave, and... uh, you know, some of the most welcoming spots to, to work remotely are coffee shops. So uh, it really is nice to have so many varieties uh, of coffee, coffee shops in Austin. True. Well, um, those sound like really great places. Um, what, do you find that they also have their own specialty coffee brand that um, they're also selling? Um, that's... Uh, Something I, I'm not sh- sure of for the specific res- restaurants. I do not believe uh, any of the ones I've mentioned um, necessarily have that. Uh, Austin's also really big on beer brewing. So I, I have had a local uh, coffee milk stout, which is actually a beer and coffee. So I think it's still on the subject uh, that we're discussing today. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, and that's definitely uh, brewed locally. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is something as I, I really am, uh, someone who's really, I think in the last couple of years really started enjoying coffee. Uh, and so I'll probably, uh, take more note, uh, in the future of, you know, which shop is, is actually, uh, brewing their own coffee as well. Right. Daniel, have you experienced those porch swings? Uh, I, I have not been to that place. Um, actually, um, no, but, um, I have heard of the the coffee beer. Um, that sounds interesting. I have yet to try it, um, but yeah, that's that sounds like a up and coming kind of drink um, right now. <laughs> and um, but yeah, yeah, um, Austin's pretty pretty popular with the the cold brew and coffee shops and students studying in the in the shops. Oh yeah, well, even just having your startup community, Ivan, actually then have you know the the cold brew on tap i think yeah. just shows how how this country really appreciates good coffee um, oh, absolutely. gourmet coffee absolutely so speaking now of some of your projects you've been working on when you actually release like um i just i noted that you had released a new product that um that actually a company called uh, ETC or Electronic Transaction Clearing Inc. Yes. had just adopted, which was really great news uh, in yes. September of this month. So um, how were you involved in that particular product with Validus Cloud? Um, um, well, you know, since our product is, uh, you know, very data centric. So the various data sets that we're using and how we visualize, I really, I feel like, you know, I'm one of the biggest users of our product. So, um, I, you know, there are aspects to it that really I helped prototype. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, with, you know, we have a very strong de- uh, team of developers that uh, just have really been able to take sort of the, the kind of questions that, uh, you know, a business side analyst would, would have um, and really, you know, take the software to, to the level that really makes it convenient. And, uh, you know, I think the, you know, really, we've worked really hard, um, including with ETC, to really partner uh, with them. And I really think that's kind of the key 
is uh, partnering uh, to the extent that we understand any, you know, we really kind of use them as a uh, sort of joint, uh, you know, uh, party to, to really like help us understand how they want to use our product. And every single customer has a very different view of how they want to use our product. And every time we go through that process, um, we really get a better understanding of, you know, what everyone is trying to, to um, get to. And, you know, so I think, you know, that my role has, you know, been meeting with, with the customer going through various, uh, you know, data specific um, interests that they have and working on improvements to our product, um, improvements to the data integration to make sure that they're getting the best value um, possible. And I think at the end of the day, our product reflects that. And it's really been a fulfilling uh, experience. I, I've worked in large companies most of my life, and I, I don't believe I've ever worked this hard, but I've never felt more fulfilled um, than I have uh, you know, with this, this current startup. So it's, it's really been a great experience. Oh, that's great news. I mean, at the end of the day, it seems like your software really is, um, you know, you're you're working on providing a centralized view of, you know, whether it's trading or operations or compliance, and then you're facilitating basically the decision making within that company. So you meeting with the customer and actually developing sort of what would make most sense specifically for them is just a great tactic. Tell us please a little bit more about what runtime reporting means. (laughs) So, um, you know, we're kind of getting into some of the technicalities, but uh, I think runtime is sort of, the best efforts, it's not really real time because we don't have a uh, separate infrastructure. Like if you think of a real time operating system that can actually run slower on a given piece of hardware, but it has certain uh, aspects to its design, which actually adds as additional overhead uh, to ensure that certain things occur at a certain time. So in that respect, we're not, we're not really a, you know, officially real time system, but we're runtime, which means uh, a lot of this space uh, is kind of what they call in the industry T plus one. So basically you, you go through an entire day of trading and then you submit your data. And then on the following day, you run all the analytics to better understand uh the, the risks and uh, if there are any, you know, specific issues that you need to address. And, uh, you know, in this, this world that we're living in, uh, that's becoming, you know, ever more complicated and we have more and more trading uh, occurring at, you know, a higher, higher complexity, um, you know, having a runtime system is really key to, you know, having that data as soon as possible, have the analytics run and alert you to potential issues is, is really key to, um, you know, managing risk, uh, at, at the degree that, that personally I think is, is, is uh, required these days. So, Yeah, absolutely. And um, you mentioned in the beginning how you have your kind of morning um, coffee and routine. How does that go? Because you have a big day and working for a startup is, um, like you said, you have long hours. So how does your day start out, please? Um, so usually, like, I try, I really work hard to, uh, wake up after my wife because she actually has to go to work and I'm trying to like show yes I'm working long hours but I can wake up after you um, but it rarely works I end up usually waking around the time she does and you know by by the time you know she's up I'm actually on my computer 
working, uh, sort of doing the first uh, checks. We have various checks uh, to make sure everything uh, is working accordingly. And then um, after doing that first check, I go down and have some coffee and try to sort of plan the day, knowing that, uh, you know, the nature of my job uh, means that, you know, there, there's going to be requests and uh, inquiries that um, probably will mean I won't, you know, those plans will not uh, really work out the way that, that um, I expect, but that's, that's just kind of part of it. And like I said, you know, I enjoy that coffee and I enjoy that moment. And I, I, I really try to, um, you know, be in the present at that point and uh, sort of, you know, when you're in a startup, you're just trying to do your best. I, I really feel like, um, you know, startups, when, when you have, you know, part of the company and you're working, you know, you're really working for yourself. I, I feel like, you know, you're, you're mm-hmm. really, um, you have no one to fail but yourself. And so it, it just, it's really been a, uh, a great experience. But that part of the day, that morning is really when I, I can sort of, uh, you know, plan, sort of plan and hope for the best. And then, uh, you know, go through the rest of the day, knowing that, you know, it's all on me. And, and uh, you know, I've got to show my, my uh, you know, put as much effort as possible, because this is really, you know, a shared dream. And I want to be, you know, uh, a great member of the team. So that's, that's just sort of how, how it goes. But for as far as the routine, it's, it varies quite a bit. So it really is the coffee. And then I could be eating lunch at any part of the day. It really depends on what's going on. Uh, well, thanks for sharing that. And you must have a really great team. I'm sure they appreciate all your hard work. And um, would you have uh, for our lister, listeners kind of a, a quick sort of guidance, if, if anyone, like for Daniel, because I can imagine Daniel at some point might be um, starting a startup on some sort of what would be like your key key uh, words of wisdom? Uh, for, for a startup? Yes. Um, I really feel like, uh, I, well, and, and it's not original. I've actually, I heard this when I was getting involved in a startup, but the, the requirement that uh, they had was you need to find people that if you were going through like a zombie apocalypse, you would feel like these were good guys to be with <laughs> because yeah. in a startup, you are going to be seeing like every combination. There's no, it's not like, you know, if you get a lot of business, there's no one there. There's no HR department to say, hey, you know, this, this is the amount of workload you need. And then, you know, really the, the value and the value to the investors is all based on, you know, how much you can put in. And, you know, no matter what happens, you, you've got to sort of work together as a team. And so that's really my main advice is you really need to find some, you know, a, a team of individuals that you can trust and you, you feel very confident to work with. Definitely. No, well put and good words of wisdom. Thank you for sharing those. We have um, just a few more minutes. And I was wondering if Ivan and Daniel, if you could just quickly share our listeners, um, share with our listeners a little bit about your current projects in about um, 30, 30 seconds each, please. Daniel, would you like to start, please? Uh, yes, yeah, I'm um, working on a couple things um, outside of my, my studies for my um, engineering degree, um, but I'm kind of working for an internship on um, a, a 3D printing um, idea that can color um, really well. And so that's a, a challenge to, to color the plastic um, as it comes out of a 3D printer. And so I've been working on that. And, um, and uh, other than that, I've, I'm also working a little bit in the cryptocurrency 
um, space with with Bitcoin and some things like that and invested a little bit in it. Great, as well as your studies, which is, and we wish you well with that. And Ivan, what's um, your current project, please? Uh, yes, yeah, so we are sort of ramping up our flagship uh, products business, Validus, and uh, we are basically um, moving on several fronts to um, basically uh, spin up uh, multiple customers, and that includes sort of various data integration. We have to understand um, the various data and sort of how they want to analyze the data. And uh, we also, uh, like I said earlier, every time we have a customer engagement, we are, you know, uh, we use it as sort of the uh, optimal opportunity to um, understand how to improve our product. And so we look at it as sort of a sort of joint venture um, with our customer. And we try to, you know, uh, reinvent uh, part of our product to sort of meet their needs. So it's always an exciting uh, and fulfilling experience. Oh, that's great. And we are so grateful to you, Ivan and Daniel, for sharing a little bit about your projects and also how specialty coffee kind of weaves throughout your days, um, your personal stories, your personal journeys, and how you've seen even um, how specialty coffee has has even evolved in either Los Angeles or in Austin, Texas. So thank you for bringing it to life and sharing those stories and we thank our listeners for joining us we um we always enjoy enjoy our time together we've talked a lot about how specialty coffee was also influenced by mr alfred pete and pete's coffee in the 1960s in berkeley california and how that really just took us on to this new journey as a country to appreciate gourmet coffee and custom coffee roasting it's been so fun to share that and once again um Daniel and Ivan, we just appreciate how you've also shared those um, special coffee cafes and how you start your day and whether it's a startup or you meet with friends or you talk about your studies, etc. We're so grateful to you for sharing those. And we hope our listeners will join us again next week. And please, can, we'd love to continue the conversation. You can always email questions at radio at myfavoritecoffeestory.com. And by the way, at myfavoritecoffeestory.com, we even have now some coffee recipes. So you can check out the latest one we just posted about mocha brownies, which are truly delicious. And please also visit us at onikona.com where we do have our radio show gift of 15%. It's been so nice to be together this week. We wish you a great week, and we hope you'll join us again at My Favorite Coffee Story. Aloha! Thank you for taking an hour out of your busy week to join us on My Favorite Coffee Story. Please tune in again for another edition with your host, Aniko Samoji, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, we hope you'll have a relaxing week.